Totally Football League show. Lamenting on the departure of the EFL's longest-serving boss. Yes, Morecambe parked themselves at the foot of the league, only to return to find they'd lost their Bentley. Elsewhere, West London is red and white and black with a yellow trim. It's a convoluted way of saying Brentford beat QPR. We've got the natural energy to talk Carabao Cup action and look ahead to the weekend's league fixtures. All that, plus Carl Robinson on Oxford's Cup Heroics and Charlton assistant manager Johnny Jackson on the Addicts Ascent. Let's get busy, consistently and thoroughly. Yes, hello again, old friend or new friend or acquaintance. It's not really for me to define our relationship. What I can say with some certainty is that I'm Matt Davis-Adams. I'm joined this week by our full-strength squad of panellists, the A-team, if you will. First up, you ain't getting on no plane because there's absolutely no need to. It's a middle-distance train journey at best from his palatial home to our studio. He's a tactical analyst, a radio presenter and plenty more in between. Hello, Adrian Clark. Hi. Hi. And alongside Adrian, like face, he's got a face. We learnt this weekend that his time in Scottish football has equipped him with mad skills when it comes to a Cayley. He also knows a lot about the EFL. It's the open brackets, insert name of any of his 14 former clubs, close bracket striker, Sam Parkin. Morning, Matt. Hi. And rounding off our triangle of chat, still revelling in the fact that his beloved Bolton had a game called off due to adverse weather conditions as opposed to adverse financial ones. From William Hill, it's Joe Hannibal Crilly. Good morning. Remember, listener, you too can be a virtual panellist, sort of. Just send us a question slash thought via social media. At The Totally Show is the way to do that. Introductions done. I know what you're thinking. Championship. Well, have I got news for you. You're listening to the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. And that news is we're going to start with Tuesday night's Carabao Cup fourth round action involving EFL sides where the following events done happened. Burton don't concede nine against Leicester. In fact, they give the Foxes a scare, which, if like me, you live in an urban area, you'll know it's not easy before losing 3-1. Colchester win the All-League 2 title book their place in the last eight, and Oxford will join them after besting Sunderland on pens. So that's no championship size, but one each from Leagues 1 and 2 in the quarterfinals of this season's League Cup. We just have a quick look at the games from Tuesday night. Colchester making the most of those wins against Palace and Spurs by beating Crawley and guaranteeing themselves either a Premier League club or what they'll see as a winnable game against Oxford to reach the semis. Oxford, meanwhile, can do no wrong in League and Cup. Winners of this competition before uh, Sam. Who will Oxford be hoping to draw? Do you do you want that Colchester tie or do you want the money spinner? Oh. That's a very difficult question to kick off, Matt. I think they would prefer to face Colchester. I would imagine they've had the occasion of of playing West Ham already this season. I think, you know, like Bradford did a a few years ago, an opportunity maybe to go all the way to a a final. And of course, the focus will be on the league for Oxford. I think they're good enough this season to go very close. I've been ever so impressed by them and not a surprise them beating Sunderland last night. I think considering how well the fringe players have done in this competition, it was probably to be expected. Well, I'm thrilled to say that joining us on the line is the Oxford manager, Carl Robinson. Carl, a late night for you, I'm sure, but well worth it. You must be absolutely delighted. Booking your place in the quarterfinals of the League Cup. First time in 32 years for Oxford, so first time ever for, for some of your supporters. What a night for you. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. and I think you're right in saying, that with it being a first for the supporters, the younger supporters anyway, it does galvanise. We, we've been speaking about the next generation of Oxford United fans. We, there's so many, um, so many easy ways through the eyes of a camera now to see these top teams play in the Premier League. And I think right across the country, a lot of teams have actually lost focus on their local team. 
because of them reasons. And I think nights like the last night in the West Ham game, and to be fair to the players, the run they've been on in the league as well, we're slowly getting a few more bums on seats, which which will help my budget in January as well. So there's a selfish element to it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, it took penalties to get you over the line. Was was that something that you practised in the build-up to the games? Obviously, no extra time in the in the League Cup anymore. Yeah, which which is a great rule, I think, for for everybody involved. I think it's uh, that's clever that we can go straight to penalties. Not really. I just said to the players after training on Monday. So listen, if you if you need to practice, you practice. If you can't be bothered, don't worry about it. Because with all due respect. I think sometimes when you do practice them, if keepers guess the right way and they make a save, it sometimes can throw your best side out and all of a sudden you question yourself. So whatever, whatever's right for you, I think as a footballer, that's that's the tact that you have to take. One or two of them practised. I'll be honest, one person did practice and he was shocking. So <laughs> I told them, basically when it went to penalties, you stay as far away as possible. Moose has took a lot of big penalties since I've been there. One to stay up a few years ago, uh, one in the West Ham game and one in another big game about the back in the last season so I knew I had him on the bench and we managed to get him on and you know what I nearly missed it there was five seconds to go and I'm screaming at the fourth official I was trying to make a substitution and luckily enough we got him on and the whistle went and he scored his penalty Wow could have been very different so so quarterfinals then are you thinking that Colchester would be the best draw for you or do you want another Premier League club and if so am I right in thinking one in Merseyside might suit you quite nicely <laughs> yeah that'd be ideal um, I think listen when you say these things this, this is no stance at all at Colchester I'm sure if you were Colchester you'd be saying we want Oxford at home and Oxford the same we'd like Colchester at home because to say that you can reach the semi-finals of a, of a domestic cup competition with all the big boys in it is an, is an amazing achievement so I think it, Ideally, for progression route, I think that would be the case. It'd be the best chance for Colchester, and it would certainly be the best chance for us as well. The chairman wants the biggest attendance, so whatever the ground holds the most most fans, that'd be his probably his remit. But whoever you get now, you know you're always going to be in for a tough ask. But I think the most important thing is that last night is I certainly will live long in the memories of a lot of Oxford United fans. Carl, I was at the West Ham game and. The thing I took away was just the, the quality of some of the fringe players, the ones that haven't been getting regular minutes in, in League One. Have some of those guys surprised you? And just how happy are you with your current squad, considering what you're trying to achieve on all fronts this season? Yeah, you'll know that, sort of, do you know when you're not playing, it, it's so easy just to, to think, oh, I'm not going to train properly. Or, and do you know what? I've seen many players that haven't been playing, and they're, they're an embarrassment the way they conduct themselves in training and the attention to detail in the gym. I know all year, I've never really had that because the group's always been very, very close and we've been in cup competitions. They've all known that they've had to keep themselves at a level where they can't let themselves down. Like last night, we had a young Malachi who broke his leg against Peterborough. George Thorne, who's a top player. Jamie Hans, who's a big player that we signed from Derby as well. We had Chris Cadden, who's been arguably one of our best players this year, along with Cameron Brannigan, who scored seven or eight from midfield. And then Ben Woodburn, who's our, our main sign this summer. Six quite influential players that were injured so to put a performance in like we did against the quality of a side like you know and Sunderland by the way were excellent last night the fans who travelled hundreds of miles on a, on the evening to put support their team it was a real really good sort of it was a good advert for League One and uh, they, they probably should have had a penalty late on and Lady Luck was on our side but the players who came in for me last night were excellent you're absolutely on fire at the moment, the team. Across the last eight games, Carl, you're the best team in League One. 20 points, four more than anybody else. I want to ask you about the start of matches, though, because that seems to be this team's 
trademark. You keep on scoring first. I've, I've looked at the stats. In the first half hour of league games, you're 11-3 up, which I find quite remarkable. What, what's it like in the dressing room before games? Are you the type of manager that revs the boys up or is it very calm? What's the secret? Um, calm at times. I think it's important that you, that I think you know over time when you need to put something into a team talk, when you need to bring something out of it. It's a very determined bunch, I think, because of the way we play and the efficiency in which we move the football, is that we know if our ball speed's right and we and we don't get sloppy, that we'll get opportunities early on. And then all of a sudden, the opposition's game plan of maybe coming to us and sitting back and, and trying to hit us on the break, all of a sudden, they have to maybe change a little bit, which then makes our style a little bit more, a little bit easier to play. But no... We just have some really gifted individuals and, and we've, we've got some misfits as well who, who have failed in different places and fell short in different places, who, who have found a, a home, a short-term home. And, and we're just lucky that a lot of our players, I'd be very, very surprised if they're with us this time next year if, we don't, if we're not ultra-competitive in the league. Because you do find a moment when players sometimes are a bit better than you and you've just got to make sure that you enjoy them whilst they're there or use them to get you up and that's the only way of keeping some of these players next year. Mm. Finally, Carl, just just want to ask you one about uh, the weekend and, and, and Portsmouth trip to Fratton Park for you. They've struggled to live up to expectations so far, quite the opposite of you. Does that make things easier for you, knowing that the crowd there might be on edge and you're obviously going there full of confidence? Oh, what a place that is as well. I think if, you, <laughs> if you're going to handpick a, a game to go to, um, and what a great ground and it's a weird ground to, to other grounds because I think with the tunnel being underneath and you come up quite steeply and the fans are, are, as a manager you sat amongst them and the noise that that place creates is, is remarkable as well uh, you love going there I think one of, the, one of the most pleased people last night probably would have been Kenny seeing how much work we put into it and normally how many players we've got out injured it's going to be a massive ask for us we've got total respect for the opposition like we always do we'll work our socks off tomorrow and Friday and We'll try and put some sort of game plan together that will suit the fatigue elements and suit the players that we have available. But we're, we're really looking forward to it. And if we can get a result, it'd be fantastic. And like I say, we, we then have a two-week window where there's a chance as well after that, the Ipswich game could be off at the international break. So if you look at you've got the FA Cup and then a game that mightn't be played, so we do have a three-week window then where we can sort of rest, recoup and, have a, and, and reflect on what we've done and, and how much more we have to put in for the rest of the season. But... I'm really proud of my players, as I always am, and I'm proud of the football club that we're even speaking about these opportunities that we're getting. And for us to say that we're going to Portsmouth full of confidence is, is not a bad place to be. As for Colchester, Clarkie, mm. it's slightly different for them because Oxford would be a difficult tie for them, a team in form in the division above. So presumably... They want the big draw now. Obviously, they've already knocked out two Premier League sides. I guess so. Yeah, um, but but they've proven, especially on the home turf, that they they can beat really really strong Premier League outfits. So, so I don't think they'd be afraid of anybody. Colchester. It's personally, if I was a player for Colchester United, I want Oxford at home. I want Oxford at home, and I would back myself to to beat Oxford at home and get into the the semi finals. But look, they'll take one of the big guns, won't they? Really, really like Colchester United because so many of their players have have had spells at other clubs where it didn't didn't go well for them. Is it? But they've bounced back from it. They've shown great character. Frank Newblay is an obvious one. Released by Gillingham, released by Southend. Suddenly he's he's doing the business. And um, you can look at players like that throughout the team. Uh, Prosser at the back, Eastman. Courtney Senior, by the way, I've heard a little whisper that Palace are looking at him at the moment on the back of 
starring against Palace in, in this competition earlier in the season. So that's that's what this Carabao Cup can do as well for individuals. It, it can uh, be the springboard for a, for a move to a bigger club and, and to bring in more, even more cash for your club. So the draw for the quarterfinals, you might already have heard it by the time you listen to this, is on the Zoe Ball Breakfast Show on BBC Radio 2 at 8.45 on Thursday morning. Uh, I guess because you draw balls out of a hat and her name is Zoe Ball. Um, I'm a bit confused. David James will be there too, though, so maybe that will help. I think they need to boost the ratings, don't they? Yeah, quite possibly. Not like us. Right, that's our non-contractual obligation to the Carabao Cup fulfilled. I mean, you can drink any brand of energy drink you like for my money. Or just, just drink water. Probably better for you in the long run. Anyway, what say we pay a visit to our old friend, the Championship? This is the Totally Football League Show with Matt Davis-Adams. Your championship headlines. It couldn't be tighter. 11 teams separated by just five points at the top. Bristol City and Charlton have been charged by the FA after their fracas last week. Any excuse to use the word fracas. Referee Matthew Donoghue sent off the wrong bag in their ill-tempered 2-2 draw with Charlton. If only we had VAR in the championship, said absolutely no one ever. Oh, it's absolute chaos. Absolute chaos. Donahue will hopefully be paying extra close attention this weekend when he takes charge of MK versus Tranmere. And the two-time European champions get a pat on the back. There may be drainage issues, Trentside, but there's no problem with social conscience after Forrest donated 3,000 food parcels to a local homeless charity following the postponement of last weekend's game with Reading. Let's go on to Monday night's match, though. QPR won Brentford 3, Sam, you were at Loftus Road for the game, uh, from what I saw, thoroughly deserved victory for the visitors. Yeah, it was the right result, definitely. I'm conscious that QPR have had a brilliant start to the season. We we have to be realistic about where they're likely to finish. I think a top half finish would be incredible. But you have to look at the money that Brentford spent in the summer. And of course, they have ran their business brilliantly the last few years and sold a lot of players, but they've brought a lot of quality in. And that was really evident to me on Monday night. I thought they were better in all departments. I think for two teams that try and play possession-based football, Brentford are more comfortable in getting it the two centre-halves and playing into midfield. And I think that's a problem for QPR, the middle of the pitch. I like Scoen and I like Jeff Cameron. I like them both as individuals, but I think they miss a top-level, aggressive midfield player who can run the game. And the trio that... Brentford had in there the movement the rotation Norgard's quality on the ball the power of Makocho bit of skill from De Silva at times I felt they were much better there and if we go to the top of the pitch Brentford's three were were brilliant as well in comparison to what QPR had an offer so no it was a, a very well deserved victory I expect Brentford to make a really good fist of it now I would not be surprised at all I think this is that QPR game and on the back of two victories that have come before the catalyst now, I think, to really kick on and potentially get into that playoff picture. For Rangers, I love Chair and I love Eze. I think they've been brilliant, but it's just being a bit more creative and a bit more consistent in the final third. They need to start delivering more when they get into good areas. And I think it says it all that they got their goal from a set piece. That always looked like QPR's best way. Yeah, some great nutmegs on show, weren't they? I mean, it's fantastic. De, De Silva, outrageous. <laughs> yeah, it was a it's a fun match to watch. I have to say for, for the neutral, um, lots of players willing to express themselves, uh, given that license by the managers. Ben Rama's really kicking on now, isn't he? I think he's he's in outstanding shape. Has to be one of the best players in the division. Yeah, I completely agree with Sam in midfield. Just a little bit clunky in there with with the two in there at that level. 
maybe not good enough to, to dominate the opposition. And, and at centre-half as well, I, I think the whole like, the partnership is, is, is OK. But I think in the, in the long run, if they do want to kick on above mid-table, they might need to strengthen that particular department. So that was Monday. Let's have a look at a couple of the weekend's games. I want to start at Craven Cottage with Fulham against Hull City. Sam Fulham now outside the playoffs after winning just one of their last four. Uh, it's a reason for concern for them and, and maybe a little bit too overly reliant on Alexander Mitrovic. Six in nine for him, but they need others to chip in consistently too. Quite possibly, yeah. I, I really anticipated them kicking on after they dispatched Wigan and, and Reading really comfortably. And it, it's been difficult since then. I think there's still question marks about Fulham defensively. I know they've only conceded, I think, 14 so far this season, but I still believe they miss a real quality right back. I think there's question marks over both goalkeepers at the moment, Bettinelli and Rodak, obviously, who was sent off in the last game. But I think patience is still the key with, with Fulham. I think Scott Parker is trying to you know, take it back maybe to where they were under Kikanovic in terms of the football, but it lacks a bit of intensity for my liking. And I think they need more from the wide players, Knockart, Cavaliero, Bobby Reid and the fullbacks. And I think that's where Fulham were brilliant a few years ago when they had Sessegnon bombing down one side, they had Fredericks. And I don't think at the moment, certainly on the right-hand side, that they've got a good enough replacement for Fredericks. So I think more intensity in their, in their play, they're going to dominate the uh, possession stats. And I, I think that will come. As the season evolves, as they get more used to Scott Parker's methods, they will get better. So it's a tricky looking game because I think outside the top teams in that division, they've got the best front four, I would say, whole city outside of the uh, the teams that are really fancied. It's not it's not often, Adrian, that Grant McCann comes up against a manager who's less experienced than he is, but, but Scott Parker is that. You've seen Hull recently. I think the temptation with them is to always talk about Jared Bowen and Kamil Grzycki, but they're about much more than that. Definitely, days. yeah. I saw them at the home of the two-time European champions, actually, and they, they, they put them to the sword, I have to say. It was, right. it was, a, yeah, it was pretty easy. Cue <laughs> online abuse for someone other than Matt. Um, no, I was, I was surprised by how strong they were defensively, because I've, I've thought that that was a, a weak link for them this season, uh, particularly at centre-half, maybe with the keeper, but they were good. They absorbed depression, no problem against uh, a fairly toothless Nottingham Forest on the night. And what they've done in the last couple of games is changed the system. They've gone to more of a 4-4-1-1. And John Terrell, a young player who I saw grow up at Arsenal, never made it there. But he's a talented boy. He's, he's come in from the cold to, to play in that, that playmaker's role. And he was really influential. And I think that that's a, an interesting change because they've got a lot of good central midfielders. I thought that was one of their key strengths. The, the industry of your Honeyman, Stewart, people like this, Jackson Irvine, but Honeyman and Stewart on the bench. So no, I, th- I think this is a really dangerous game for Fulham and Sam's earmark, the weakness maybe at fullback. And, and I'm looking at, you, you mentioned the right back, Grzycki. I mean, he's, he's capable of, of turning any fullback in the division inside out. So, so on breakaways, I think Hull are going to be very, very dangerous in this match. Another game I want to talk about, uh, it's actually on Sunday noon kickoff at the Valley. Charlton versus Preston. Could be billed as the surprise package derby, uh, were that not a dreadful moniker to inflict on any fixture. Can't help but be really impressed by both sides and both managers. Uh, also, can't help but be really scared of both managers, uh, if you're me. Uh, and joining us now on the line to talk about the weekend game is friend of the show and Charlton assistant manager, Johnny Jackson. 
Johnny, after successive away games, you're back at the Valley this weekend, Preston the visitors. The boss said he thinks he should be higher than ninth. This is a, a great opportunity to take some points off one of the teams above you, albeit against a very capable opponent. It's going to be a tough game Saturday. Yeah, really tough game. It's been a tough schedule, to be honest. Yeah, we had a really difficult week. As he's starting with, with a home game against Derby on their day, it can be a very good side. And then followed up by two really difficult away games. Obviously, long journeys as well. So, took a lot of out of us uh, physically and mentally. Um, so, it's nice to have like a, a real clear week going into a, a home game at the end of it. Albeit, yeah, against a very, very strong side. Really impressed with Preston and what I've seen so far. Obviously, right up there in the league. So, you know, we'll be up against it. But at home, we fancy ourselves against anyone. John, I've got to ask you about Macaulay Bond. I suppose everyone envisaged the transition from the National League to the Championship being, being a tough one and maybe taking a bit of time. Has he surprised you? And just how much work have you been doing him, with him on the training ground to get him up to speed? Yeah, he, he, he has surprised us. Um, I think he surprised himself as well, Sam, to be honest, because when he first came, it was quite evident that, that he hadn't trained at the, the sort of intensity that we demand and... And obviously the, the the level that he was at and the calibre of player that he had around him, um, no disrespect to Orient, but it was obviously quite a jump. It's, it's a, it's a two-league jump. And I think that was quite evident. And it, it took a while, it took a while with, with McCauley to make himself believe that he that he belonged at the level. And and I really only think that he did finally sort of believe that is when he scored the goal against Leeds. He needed that confidence boost and to score in a high-profile game like that to really believe that he that he belonged like we'd, we'd worked and worked and worked with him and he's he is a natural finisher the boy but it was about trying to trying to get into his psyche to make him feel that he belonged at the level one last player I wanted to ask you about is Conor Gallagher um, somebody Sam and I know well from the Chelsea youth team well it wasn't a surprise to us that he's done well but I mean he's he's blown us away really it's easy to forget that this is somebody who never played a minute of league football you know he's only senior footballer coming the EFL trophy um, last yeah. season did, did you sense early on that he was going to take to it so quickly um, well, I, I'm open enough to admit that before before we signed him, I didn't know anything about him at all. Um, the fact that he played no league football, obviously, you don't you don't get too much expectation of uh, uh, of what you're going to get. And I've got to say that the, the kid's been an absolute revelation. Um, yeah, as soon as we saw him on the training pitch, we was like, oh, we've got a, we've got a player on our hands here. Um, and then, obviously, once he started playing in, in, in the games, in the league, um, he started scoring straight away. And his level of performance is actually, it started really well and it's got better, I think. Um, I, can't, I can't speak highly enough of the boy. He's, he's come in, he's, his work ethic's brilliant, his attitude's brilliant. Um, he just gets on with his job. But his level of performance is, is actually something special, to be honest. He, He's as good as I've seen at that age for a long, long time. Last of all, Johnny, um, are the killers your usual soundtrack of choice pre-training? And do you think that their Glastonbury headline slot this year won over some of their critics? <laughs> I think the killers are top, top draw. Uh, top draw. I'm glad to see Glastonbury's got back on a sort of uh, a headline act, um, like an indie band headline act. I think they went away from that for a little while, so... Yeah, I, for one, am very pleased. <laughs> Let's talk about Preston, the visitors then. Second after that amazing come-from-behind win against uh, Blackburn. 
They really actually are the surprise package of the season, I think, Sam, because, you know, they've been a kind of mid-table, perennial mid-table championship side for, for as long as we can remember. But it looks as though, without massive investment and without any star names, they might well have the staying power to, to have a real go for promotion this time round. Yeah, I mean, we spoke fondly about them last season and I think he's put together a, a talented squad. He's um, cherry-picked some, some good kind of League One championship players who have done well at, at other clubs. And it's almost been the players that you didn't envisage doing the business in terms of we felt it would probably be well the two most orthodox strikers, Nugent and, and Stockley. It's not really been about them in goals terms. It's been Johnson, Harrop, Barkhazen as well. But at the weekend against Blackburn, it was Jaden Stockley who came on and he's been a little bit maligned by some sections of the support. He's not been fantastic this season, but he came on in the first half for Gallagher and completely changed their fortunes around against Blackburn. So he needs an enormous pat on the back. And I think looking forward to the this weekend against Charlton, that's a really interesting thing because I know Charlton adapt their style defensively or and their personnel to match up against who they're facing. So does Alex Neil go for the pace of Barkhausen where you would need balls played down the side of Charlton over the top? Or do you go for a, a more number nine type in Stockley where they can potentially go a little bit longer? So that's the interesting thing that I'm looking forward to seeing this weekend. And it's a type of game where Preston have struggled so far this season. They lost at Millwall and they lost recently at Reading as well. So they're doing it against the top teams can they roll their sleeves up against a really hard-working chart side? Yeah, Sam's touched on the point I wanted to make about Preston. That's that they don't just have one way. They've won in different different manners or got positive results in different manners. In that game, they changed up their tactics completely mid-game. The previous match against Leeds, they soaked it up, hit them on the counter, and then against Barnsley at home, they, they tore into them with a real high-tempo game where they were playing on the front foot. So I think that they're an impressive team. And of all the underdogs in and around the, the top half, and it is the top half that's separated by just a few points, I think they've got the best prospects of, of staying power. I really do, because they can adapt to different situations. Um, yeah, this is a really fascinating game. Yeah, they've got to improve their away form, that's for sure. Just one win on the road for Preston so far this season. Elsewhere this weekend, Barnsley versus Bristol City is your Friday night football. On Saturday, Leeds against QPR catches the eye, as does Borough's trip to Pride Park. Uh, Clucky, two sides and two managers desperate for a positive result. Who needs it most out of Koku and Woodgate, which would be a, a good name for a Shropshire-based estate agent, I think. It does. It's got a ring to it. Uh, who needs the result more? Wow. I think Woodgate. But funnily enough, I'm more impressed by Borough than I am Derby, even though Borough are below them. I don't think performances have been that shocking from Middlesbrough. They've created a lot of chances across the last couple of games. They've just been really, really wasteful in front of goal. So I wouldn't write them off completely. It might just need that one win. Maybe this is the game for them to then to then go on a bit of a roll because they do have talents, don't they? You're a sombre longer, Fletcher, Tavernier, Wing. I really like him. So they've got they've got players that can make the difference. They've just been been too profligate in front of goal. Derby, it's just a bit me, and they're a bit sort of. I don't know what to make of Derby this season. It's there's not a lot to get excited about, in my opinion. So uh, I sneakily fancy Middlesbrough to maybe get lift off in this particular game. We shall see, Joe. Let's get some odds on the uh, the games we focused on there. Fulham favourites against Hull, presumably, despite Hull's good form. Yeah, Fulham uh, odds on to win, just a shade above one to two. Uh, Hull 
very nearly five to one, uh, nine to two to win the game with the draw, sixteen to five. Charlton Preston, that looks like a, a both teams to score banker. What what could you give me on that? He says um, throwing to you without having given you pre warning of that and, and looking <laughs> at the fear in your eyes as you desperately scroll uh, well, through the odds. Uh, first of all, Preston are favourites to win the game uh, away from home, and uh, both teams to score. Really. That's, yeah, that's yeah, amazing. Given we just said they won one away game all season. Yeah, Preston seven to five, Charlton two to one. I mean, it's pretty close across the two sides with the draw twenty three to ten. And you are correct. Both teams to score is odds on at eight to eleven. And also in the championship race for the golden boot. Who, who have you got as your favourite for top scorer at the moment? So Alexandra Mitrovic is the favourite at eleven to eight. Obviously, topping the charts at the moment. Ollie Watkins one goal behind, but he's a big price at seven to one. I think that's probably due to the fact that there's been. A couple of whispers about him maybe moving in uh, January. Uh, Colin Grant, third favourite at eight to one, and uh, coming up on the uh, on the inside rail, Eddie Nketiah, twenty to one. <laughs> I'll take that eleven to eight. Thank you, <laughs> Sam. You balked at that. Is that because you think it's a bit skinny? That's a dead cert. Isn't no, it? it's an absolute. <laughs> Mitrovic, I'm having it. Don't don't change the price by the end of the show. <laughs> I'm texting the guys now. Change it. <laughs> All right, we can mark the championship as chatted. Let's do something similar with League One after something called a sting, which is a device used in part at least to break up the monotony of hearing four people talk to you for an extended period of time. Get great offers every day with William Hill. Join today and get £30 in free bets when you bet £10 using the promo code C30. Whether you like great prices, free bets or in-play scoreboards, William Hill has you covered. William Hill is who you play with. Promo code C30, new online customers only. Minimum £10 stake, win only. Minimum odds 1 to 2. Free bets paid as free £10 bets. 30-day expiry. Free bet payment method player and country restrictions apply. This is the Totally Football League Show with Matt Davis-Adams. In League One, this is what's going on. Hey, that rhymes. I'm a poet and I didn't realise. Goals galore again as five points separate the top six. Accrington Stanley live up to the reputation of one of League One's nice guys by giving Gillingham fans a free drink and three points. Despite his best efforts, Gareth Ainsworth is now the longest serving manager in the EFL. And Ivan Tony politely asks posh fans to change the record. And it's with that last story that I want to start. Ivan Tony's been one of the success stories of the season in League One. 11 goals for Peterborough. He's asked the club's supporters to change the lyrics for the chant they have for him. He said in an official statement, I want to thank the supporters for the way they've backed me since I arrived at the football club. It's great to feel loved by the fans. Whilst the song's not offensive to me, it would be great to hear a new family version of the song so all the young supporters in the stadium can join in too. Um, I'll say this as delicately as I can. The chant includes a reference to Tony's Todger. Uh, You might remember Man United fans had a similar song about Romelu Lukaku, which the club were contacted about by kicking it out who asked them to encourage supporters to stop singing it because the words were offensive and discriminatory uh, it's a sensitive issue at the moment obviously Sam it'd be great to see that the Peterborough fans self-policing this basically this is what the players asked for so we'll, we'll respect his wishes and change it yeah I think they should have taken uh, the lead from you know what's happened to other clubs because this isn't the first time so it seems a little bit silly that club supporters are still thinking it's a good idea to, to, to run with this song. It's, it's clearly not. And um, I, I quite like the, the statement. 
in that you know it's come from Ivan Tony and it, it's relatively soft in the approach, but it gets the message across as well. And it's um, there's a bit of a human touch to it as well, rather than it being. Um, a collection of words from someone official so I think it strikes a nice tone and and I think supporters will probably uh, get the message completely agree yeah I, th- I think it's really tactful uh, message that he, that he said to them he said it in the right way it's not easy is it to put something out there effectively criticising your own supporters it takes some some courage to do that but he obviously feels strongly rightly so and uh, hopefully they'll listen all right, let's have a look ahead to some of the weekend's games in League One. We're going to start at the only EFL ground named after an area of open land occupied by an ordained minister. I'm talking, of course, about Priestfield, where Gillingham welcome Rotherham. 15th versus 11th doesn't necessarily scream standout game of the week, but lest we forget, it is the Steve Evans derby as he faces the side he twice led to promotion. Adrian, your old mucker Steve and his team mm. not exactly been pulling up any plants, as that Oldham director said the other week. <laughs> Uh, where do they need to improve? <laughs> I'm going forward. Uh, the strength of the Gillingham team this year is definitely at the back. They keep things pretty tight. He, he's always organised his teams very, very well, has Steve Evans. And he likes to work with young players, players that he can sort of uh, mould, I guess. And, and it was interesting. He's, he's been full of praise for for a few members of his, of his rear guard. I think Jack Tucker, 19 at right back. Uh, Tommy O'Connor. At left back, I think he's he's just just twenty or twenty one. He's saying that these guys can can potentially go to a higher level. So, and, and he's got a good keeper, a keeper in form in in the form of Jack Bonham. So so now I think at, at the back they're well set. It's just going forward. I mean, top scorer is Yakubiak. He's only got four. He was dropped for the weekend, which effectively meant that their leading scorer on the pitch had no more than two. So so that's that's the issue. Yeah, I think this is this is a game that that Rotherham might fancy themselves in because because they've been much better away from home, haven't they? And they have at the New York, Sam. As for them, Sam, the Millers' brilliant win at Ipswich, followed by a disappointment of, of the defeat to another high-flying side in Wickham. I often think of Rotherham as a, a team that are too good for League One, not quite good enough <laughs> for the Championship. How, how are yeah. they looking this season? Oh, Adrian's bang on. They had one win away from home last season, uh, just 11 of the, the 40 points they, they took on the road. Well, they've got 13 away from home already this season out of the 21. So if this was to be at the New York Stadium, um, I'd quite fancy Gillingham. But I think Rotherham, sometimes it, it, there's this freedom when you go away from home. And the, the unfortunate thing for Paul Warren at the moment is I think 250 of their supporters travelled to Ipswich to see a brilliant victory. And 8,000 of them turned up to see them abysmal, not have a shot on target against Wickham at the weekend. So he's under a bit of pressure. And that might sound a little bit of alarm, alarming to people who don't see Rotherham that often, but the, the fans aren't best pleased there and it's because of the home form. So need to improve that in that regard. And there's been a few strange tactical decisions. I read the Wiles end up at right back and Matuk uh, end up at centre-back towards the end of the Wickham game. The one bright spot was Ogben, who was at Brentford. Previously, he impressed on his first start. He's got a bit more pace, but it's kind of just about that crooks and Matt Smith axis which he's had in in the uh, the starting 11 in the last few weeks and there's a big onus on those two to be forceful and be a threat and it's probably going to be one of those performances you would think away at Gillingham. From the outside looking in it, look, it feels like the goalkeeper's been absolutely outstanding this season, Daniel Everson you know whenever I see the highlights whenever I see the, you, them in action he seems to be fairly busy 
making good saves. Maybe that tells you a bit of a story about Rotherham this year. I certainly thought they would be more more solid f- at the back. That they were beaten, weren't they, at, by, the, by Wickham with that long ball over the top? That's happened, I think, on more than one occasion this season. And the duels are quite direct, so so I think that they'll test those centre halves in this game. Just one little caveat for for the duels, and maybe another reason to fancy Rotherham here. They've only beaten one team above 18th, Gillingham. They're, that was Wickham at home. The other positive results they've had this year have been against teams really struggling at the bottom. So, so the form line says uh, says Rotherham might be might be the ones to follow here. Okay, I want to touch on Portsmouth against Oxford. Obviously, we've heard from Carl Robinson about uh, the League Cup and about this game too. I mean, everything's looking fantastic for them. Sammy can't say the same about Portsmouth starting the weekend way down from where they should Mm. be really in the table. They're 16th. And what really struck me looking at their results is they've only won back-to-back league games Mm. once all season. And if that doesn't improve, they're not going to get in the top half, never mind finishing in the playoffs and on automatics, which is what they were tipped for heavily at the start of the season. I'm the voice of doom this morning, not intentionally, but I think every club that I'm looking at, and especially the managers, um, Sunderland sacked a manager with them sitting sixth in the division because of the brand of football, uh, pretty much. And there's been a lot of negative thoughts, I think, from the Portsmouth supporters about that at, at Portsmouth. And the results aren't any better this season at the moment. I think they're sleepwalking a, a little bit. Uh, this year to a, a, a year of mediocrity, to be honest. And the big problem is going in front of games and not being able to see them out. And it's because they're getting too deep and they haven't got any threat on the counter-attack. They're allowing balls into their box. That's what happened against Bristol Rovers. The other one that jumps out to me was Coventry at home when they uh, the visitors were down to nine men. So there's something about the way Kenny Jackett is doing late in games when they're in front there's something that he's doing that's having a real negative um, effect on the side. I think Marquis looks like a player who's running really low on confidence and he was the big marquee signing and um, something's going to have to change. I think in terms of the selection and the mentality, otherwise um, Portsmouth are going to be well away from it. Yeah, the stats back up, Sam, um, in the second half. We've got minus two goal difference, Portsmouth. Final 10 minutes, when you tend to get that little bit deeper when you start to protect... When you're thinking, right, let's just cling on here. Score two, let in six. One of the worst final 15 minutes uh, records of anyone in the division. So yeah, Jacket, he's a little bit, he's a little bit defensive. I think you can simplify it and say, not from what you've said, mm-hmm. but they play four-two-three-one. I can't remember them playing another system. When was the last time you saw Portsmouth score a, a brilliant counter-attacking goal, if you like, with pace? You go back it's to not last like they year. Not got the players. You, I suppose last year they quality they had Curtis bang on form and, and Jamal Lowe. Mm. This year, I suppose Harness has been brought in to do a similar job. But I just see it being very one-paced, the football. And they have a habit of winning when there's big pressure on them, especially at Fratton Park. And I just look at next week, Southend United at home. I think this game against Oxford, mm. even if they were to get turned over, I think everything would hinge on Southend United at home the following week. Of course, Sol Campbell and Herman Horizon going back to Portsmouth. Ooh, narrative. We will be previewing that game next week, I dare say. Joe, odds-wise, for this match then, have you got Oxford as favourites? No, but again, it's, it's very, very close. 
Portsmouth are seven to five, uh, Oxford nineteen to ten, so only a little bit bigger. Uh, and I would be tempted to to stick a quid on them winning this match. The draw, twenty three to ten. How about Gillingham Rotherham? I guess that's pretty close as well, odds wise. Kind of Rotherham are favourites to get the away win, thirteen to ten. Gillingham two to one, and the draw five to two. Right, we're on the last leg, more commonly referred to as League Two. That's our next port of call. On Spotify, smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Football League show from Muddy Knees Media. League Two, where the headlines are, despite being non-league filed, can afford a Bentley, meaning Morecambe are on the lookout for their first new boss in more than eight years. Colchester reached the last eight of the League Cup and it was an emphatic victory for Exeter in the Devon Derby, the Grecians' biggest win against their fiercest rivals since another four-goal victory on Christmas Day in 1925. We'll start, though, with the news that Jim Bentley has left Morecambe, where he'd been manager since May 2011, having previously played for the club for nine years. A Morecambe statement said Bentley's resignation had been accepted with great reluctance. It continued, We cannot thank him enough for his contribution to the club over the years, and it goes without saying he'll always be welcome at the Globe Arena. Sam, he's done brilliantly in keeping Morecambe as a football league concern. He says he wanted to show he can gain promotion as well as stave off relegation. Probably getting a bit more money too. Absolutely fair enough that he, he chose to go, is it not? I think so. The, the only argument from outside will be that he's left them in a really tough spot, but he leaves with credit in the bank. He's got to look after his own future. They've not been quick enough to offer him a new contract. He's spoken to the directors and the, and the owners, I believe. I think he's got the backing of the directors, but not the owners. So you have to look after number one, I'm afraid. Um, it's a, probably a club in file that will have, I would think, better facilities, maybe a better budget. It's, um, I think, slightly closer to home for him as well. I mean, he, he deserves to do what he feels is right at this stage. And he's done some amazing things at that club. I remember playing against them uh, when I was at Exeter and for someone who was so competitive and maybe a bit old school as a player, they have evolved in terms of their playing style at times over his tenure. It's going to be a big test to, to keep them in the division, but Jim Bentley, um, for everything that he's achieved, can leave with his head held high. So Morecambe-wise then, Adrian, are they trying to pluck out a Sol Campbell type to replace more or are they going for a safe pair of hands? It'd be, it'd be fascinating to see which way they go. They're a small club. I remember playing against Morecambe in the, in the National League, 800, 900 fans, max really. So and, and he's never famously never spent a penny, has he, on transfer fees as Morecambe boss, which tells you that you have to be a bit of a wheeler and dealer. I think the job swap is, is a possibility here. Dave Challoner who almost guided AFC Fylde into the EFL last May. I was there at the playoff final when they, when they got beaten by Salford City, and, and he'd he done a brilliant job with Fylde. It, it just hasn't worked this year. Maybe both men just come to the, the end of the natural course with that group of players, and they're ready for the new challenge. They could do a lot worse, I think, than, than, than effectively swap roles here. Challenger to Morecambe. He clearly knows what he's doing. The curve for AFC filed, albeit backed by good finances, was was universally upwards under Dave Challoner until this season. So he would he would be a shout. The, I, I do know that Stuart Drummond, a player that I played against many times for Morecambe, he's the academy manager at Morecambe and his name's been chucked into the mix. So if they want to go in-house, he would be a popular appointment. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But, but I think it's actually, as sad as it is, it's a win-win. It, it, sooner or later, your race is run 
at certain clubs, and I think that was the case here. Joe Clark, he's chucked a couple of names at us there. What, what are the odds saying in terms of who's favourite for the job? Well, we've got a couple of names of players elder statesman, shall we say, of uh, of Morecambe's team who top the betting for next permanent manager. Barry Roach, 2-1. to one. Kevin Ellison, 5-2. to two. Uh, Then Terry McPhillips, who we last saw at Blackpool, 4-1. Mm-hmm. Uh, to one. Stuart Drummond then, 8-1, uh, to one, uh, with Paul Ince at 10. Game I want to look ahead to at the weekend. It's uh, a derby between Crew Alexandra and Port Vale. Uh, looks tasty given the rivalry and all. Uh, Adrian Crew start the weekend top despite not having played last weekend. What what in particular have you noticed about them that, that has helped them achieve this this lofty position? Well, they've been consistent, um, which is hugely important, of course. One off day, really, in the entire season so far. Okay, they've lost more than once, but I'd say there's only been one day where they really haven't turned up. And that was when they lost 3-0 at home to Plymouth. Apart from that, they've won handsomely. They've picked up some good draws. And their last three home games have been all challenging. Exeter City, 1-0. Swindon, 3-1. Colchester, we know about their form at the moment. 0-0. OK, that's not the most glamorous set of results. Only one win, two draws. But they're three tough challenges and they weren't beaten. And I think there's a, there's a newfound resilience about crew under Artel this season. In the past, I've always felt... That crew play the nice, pretty stuff, but you can you can get at them. You can you can beat them up. You can get in their faces. That that's not really been the case this time around. And they've unearthed a player, I think, in Tommy Lowry, only twenty one. He looks he looks really gifted for that level. And and Charlie Kirk's the other one, isn't he? On, on the counter attack, there's loads of pace about Crew Alexandra, and I think they'll I think they'll tear at Port Vale here in this game. They've certainly got the the firepower in forward areas that's informed to to go for the jugular against a team that's been in in fairly stodgy form. Sam, stodgy is the word that Adrian uses for Vale. Only lost one in seven, five points off the playoffs though. Have they got enough in them to to trouble the top seven? No, they haven't, but there's been obvious progress at at the club. We um, spoke about the new owners at the back end of of last season, I believe it was, or maybe just at the start of this season. Uh, They haven't lost at home. So far, they're not as reliant on Tom Pope anymore. They've beaten Bradford away from home. They've beaten Plymouth, Forest Green already this season. Um, so it's a derby match. So that's, I think, a conundrum for the manager. Tom Pope hasn't been as influential. Started on the bench against Oldham at the weekend. Does he play Tom Pope because it's a derby and because he knows all about the fixture? Mm. Or does he go for a bit more pace uh, Bennett's been playing down the middle, flanked by two kind of pacier players. I think Crew will dominate the ball. I think that it may be a case that Port Vale have to play a little bit more on the counter and, and use that mobility that they've now got in their ranks. With that as well, they've got a midfield player, Jake Taylor on loan from Forest, who's got three goals already this year. And that's a threat that they didn't have last season, not in terms of the player, but they didn't have goals mm. from midfield anywhere else really other than Tom Pope so I think this is a better Port Vale difficult test but of course with a derby it could uh, prove to be a bit of a leveller mm. What do you think Joe? What are the odds saying? Crew are odds on to win this uh, at 10 to 11 I think they've probably got enough to get the victory Port Vale 3 to 1 and the draw 13 to 5 Right, you can't see my face, lucky listener, but uh, it has a grimace across it as I prepare to ask the chaps what they're up to this weekend. Uh, Sam, what's on the agenda? I'm going to a very good Chinese in Teddington on Friday night. 
Uh, what's your go-to order? You're kind of boring, crispy duck guy or something a bit spicy? They do they do unbelievable Singapore noodles, so it is traditional, but there's quite a lot of us, so I'm expecting... We could go whole duck. Has that ever been done before? <laughs> it's a bold shout. I mean, I'm looking forward to hearing about it next week, that's for sure. Uh, Adrian, how was... Szechuan, yeah. Tom... by the way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How was the Thomas the Tank Engine place? Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Great afternoon out. Or, yeah, I think it was about an afternoon. Some... some uh, Fairly tame rides, but but I guess when you've got a three and a two-year-old, that that's to be expected. Did they give a nod to the old school? Was the fat controller lurking, or is it? The fat all controller the, was yeah. there. We went on a little little train ride around the park and got completely ripped off on on getting an ID badge, which qualifies both my children to to have a license to be a Thomas the Tank Engine driver. Tenner apiece. And you fell for it. <laughs> Massively. My goodness me. Um, Joe, what are your hopes and dreams for this weekend? Uh, Actually, one of my friends is coming down from Chester and all we're going to do is go to the pub and watch football all weekend. You do shock me. <laughs> <laughs> right, Clarky Parky and Crilly, thanks for your company and you, listener. Well done, you reached the end. Ta-da, TTFN, goodbye. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football Network at The Totally Show on Twitter and make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com. <laughs>